Hello there. Welcome back to Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers. Classroom Conversations is presented by the Georgia Department of Education in partnership with Georgia Public Broadcasting. I'm your host, Ashley Mingwasser. Anybody want to join me for some emotional calisthenics? That's what I call crying. Go ahead and cue the tears because this is our final episode of season two. We are committed to ending this season with a grand finale, a real student skill builder. What approach to learning are we examining today? I'll start with the answer if you can identify the question, Jeopardy style. This sort of instruction is known to nurture student passion, empower student voice, deepen understanding beyond rote memorization of facts, increase engagement, foster a love of learning, and teach grit and determination, baby. So what is it? Well, curiosity may have killed the cat, but it's proven to enliven learning. Come along as we investigate inquiry-based learning in K-5 through social studies. Our guests are rather curious creatures and very critical thinkers. Jennifer Bell is a fourth grade teacher in her ninth year of teaching, and Melissa Williamson is a kindergarten teacher in her 16th year. Both Jennifer and Melissa teach at Langston Road Elementary School in the Houston County School District, and they are joining me virtually from school. How very apropos. Hi, Jennifer and Melissa. Ah, Oh, you've even coordinated the wave. I love it. (laughs) How are you doing today? We're good. We're good. How are you? I'm excellent. Did your school day go well? I love that you're on the scene right now, as we say in the media. It did. Mm-hmm. It, it did. Good Busy but fun. Mm-hmm. Busy but fun. Sounds like a good day of learning. Before we get too analytical, shall we start with the basics? When did you know you wanted to become a teacher? Jennifer, you go first. Um, I actually didn't know um, I wanted to become a teacher as a child. You know, most kids already know what they want to be when they grow up. I really was not sure what I wanted to do. I've always liked hanging out with kids and working with kids. Um, But when I was in high school, I got a job at a daycare and I fell in love just working with the kids and teaching. And um, that was when I decided. And so then I went on to school and now I teach big kids, big fourth graders. The rest is history, right? When did you know, Melissa, that you wanted to become a teacher? I was the one who knew from early on that I wanted to be a teacher. I was that little girl that was playing school with my sisters, bossing them around, having them play (laughs) with me. So I knew from early on I wanted to be a teacher. And so as soon as I was able to um, graduate high school and go to college, that's exactly what I went for. And the rest is history. Can you imagine a different career for yourself? What would you even do instead if you were going to do something totally different from teaching? I always say that if I had to do something different, I would be a meteorologist. <laughs> I, know that's so different. I just, when it's hurricane season, I really like watching the news and following and tracking hurricanes. Oh, that's Random. good. That, should we call you Hurricane, Melissa? That might give the wrong impression. <laughs> that's a cool nickname, though. Do you, can you tell us about the weather in your area today? I bet you know it. Have you already checked your today weather? Today is actually super nice here today. It was a little bit chilly when we woke up this morning, and then it was nice and warm this afternoon, but not blistering hot like it's been. You would be such a relatable, friendly voice on the news. I, <laughs> I highly endorse this if it doesn't work out. What about you, Jennifer? What would you do if you imagined a completely different career for yourself? Well, I actually have two. It's one you're going to find funny. I actually would really love to work in ministry. That's one of my other passions, especially working with women. 
Um, but also, I would love to be a podcast host. I'm ah! a podcast guru. I love podcasts. They're like my favorite thing. So that would be fun, too. I love it. Get yourself a microphone and start tomorrow, okay? <laughs> you and Melissa already have an act going here. I love it. Well, tell me about <laughs> Langston Road Elementary. Who wants to take this one? Langston Road is such a family atmosphere. That's the one thing that I love about our school is we are such a family. I was fortunate enough to be um, on the first faculty and staff whenever we opened the school about eight or nine years ago. And so ever since we've been there, we just have created this family culture, not just amongst the staff, but with um, our families and students as well. You know, we have siblings that have come through the school and then the next set comes through. And we really have gotten to know their families and grandparents. So it's just a family family environment where we look out for each other. Absolutely. I second that. And I say that we, um, we really fully invest in our kids. Like they are not just ours the year that we have them. We invest from year to year. Um, and we follow them, like keep, keep up with them. How are you doing today? How's the school year going? And so we are just one big family. We love it. That's special. Do you two work together as part of your jobs there? Um, we don't work, we're different grade levels. And so we actually don't get to interact a whole lot during the day. Um, but we, we do some vertical type conversations to talk about social studies. And, yes. Yes. and we're both in the social studies collaboration mm -hmm. team. So yeah. that's where we work more together. A PLT is a professional learning team, and it's just where we get together as a team and decide next steps that need to be taken for the kids, what needs to be done as the school, and just what are we going to do next, making an action plan just to make our teaching more effective. And how about verticals? Describe. So vertically, we recently just did some work with assessment. So we took as a grade level our assessments for one standard specifically. And we had vertical conversations from kindergarten or actually from pre-K all the way to fifth grade where we really dug in. We looked at the assessments. We looked at the DOK levels and we decided, um, are they gradually growing in a way that makes sense for the grade levels? And we gave feedback to one another on um, you know, ways that we could change it. Maybe we can add more rigor or maybe we should um, pinpoint the standard in a more um, specific way. And so just supporting each other across the school instead of just as a fourth grade team or a kindergarten team in isolation. That's wonderful. So educators, you really are your own community. You build each other yeah. up and to have the best impact on the students. It truly does take a village. Inquiring minds will want to know. So here are three inquisitive questions about you. How would you answer these questions about your personal lives? Jennifer, you first. What do you feel is your best trait? Oh, um, I think probably I will talk to just about anybody. I actually would consider myself an introvert in the sense that I'm shy, but I'm not. Absolutely. I'm shy and I worry about, what, you know, if people like me, but I'm so interested in other people that I overcome it because I want to meet them. I will talk, I will talk to random people in the grocery line at the grocery store. And so it opens up doors for relationships a lot in my life, being able to just talk to people. Listen, I've gone to every grocery store in this city, and a good piece of produce can spark any good conversation. I know that firsthand, as do you. Second question, Jennifer, do you have a hidden talent or surprising skill? Um, no, not really. I'm not usually very talented in, in, in sports or writing, but um, I, I think I'm a good friend if that's a talent. Or <laughs> I think your friends would say that that is a talent, 100%. And last question, what is one thing that you need in each day and one thing that you want in each day? 
I think my need, one thing that I need every single day to feel accomplished at the end of the day is to know that I've made somebody smile or that I've made a difference. And for somebody, my want is certainly coffee. I would like to have coffee every day at (laughs) some point. Those are good choices. Same questions for you, Melissa. What do you feel is your best trait? Oh, goodness. This is a hard one to answer. I would probably say um, I try really hard to think about others and how that they're feeling. So that can be a little bit of a people pleaser. So it's kind of a bad trait and a negative trait at the same time. But I really try to think about how other people are feeling in a situation and kind of look out for them. Um, That's kind of like my first thought in situations is what someone else is feeling and how I can make them feel better. Empathy is a beautiful thing. Do you have a hidden talent or surprising skill? You know, I used to play the piano, and so I can read music, but I haven't played in a while, so I I wouldn't say that I'm that good at it. (laughs) Well, we're about to put a piano on that stage behind you. Bring it in, Christy. Just kidding. I want to do that to you. What is one thing that you need in each day and one thing that you want in each day, Melissa? Well, I would say coffee is a need for me each day. She said it's a want, but I need that to start my day and to have enough energy to deal with my 20 little five-year-olds all day. <laughs> um, a want, I like to end each day with just a little bit of quiet time alone. I have three children, and so sometimes that is just impossible to get, but I love to have just a few minutes to myself at the end of each day. Kids at school, kids at home, you, you should at least be allotted your quiet time. On to the mm-hmm. subject at hand. Let's start by defining inquiry-based learning. Jennifer, you've said that it's about noticing, asking questions, and seeking answers, right? So define inquiry-based learning for our listeners. Okay. Um, Inquiry-based learning, I mean, if you just go to the root inquiry, inquiry means to inquire. We are getting kids to ask questions. I mean, that's ultimately what it is. Um, But then we want them to go beyond that. You're not only asking the questions, but your curiosity is driving you to answer the question in whatever format um, has been laid out before you that you are going to answer this question. Um, I think that too, it's important that inquiry-based learning is defined as authentic learning experiences. It's not read, answer a question. It is authentic. It is driven by that authenticity. I love that. So why did you choose inquiry-based learning for social studies? How did that come about for each of you? Well, for me, it was because I went to a district training. I had actually never heard of inquiry work before as an early teacher. I was probably my second or third year. And um, I was really having a hard time getting my kids engaged. You know, at fifth grade, they were not very interested in um, social studies. It was just we read, we answer questions. And I went to this training and it was phenomenal. I was so engaged the whole time. And I'll tell you a little bit about me. I have a hard time paying attention. I was that kid that, you know, squirreled and watched the walls and looked out the window. I was engaged the entire time and I was excited And I knew I wanted to bring that back into my classroom. That's when you knew. What about for you, Melissa? For me, it started out as a district requirement. They said, this is the kind of teaching that we're going to try. And so, of course, following the rules, I tried it. And I actually loved it. I saw the engagement in the children and how much learning they were doing without me just sitting and explaining the situation to them. They were really engaged in the learning process. And so once I saw how much engagement the kids had, that really sold me on this inquiry-based learning. And that's kids uh, that are kindergartners 
peers engaged in the learning process, which I find interesting. How do you know that your students are learning at each of these grade levels? You first, Melissa, for kindergarten, how do you know that they're learning? For me, it's all about the conversations, just listening to the things that they're saying with their classmates and the things that they're saying with me whenever we're having whole group conversations. I can really listen to the kind of learning that they are partaking in just by the conversations that we're having. How about in fourth grade, Jennifer? It's very similar. I mean, it is very informal, observational. A lot of times um, we're assessing their knowledge through that conversation. We sometimes will hold debates. We can see through debates how much they've held on to. Um, oftentimes we're looking for that synthesizing. Were they able to take this information and synthesize it into new information? Were they able to retain it and hold on to it? But that assessment format might be more of a like a debate or a, um, or listening to partner talks and things like that. But you, you can assess formally as well. It doesn't have to be though. That's the exciting part about it. You don't have to have a typed up 10 you know question test. It can be very informal. And that's how you can gauge how much they're retaining. What are your must-haves for a successful inquiry-based classroom? What do you need to make this happen? One thing that you need are primary sources, which for us, it's a lot of times photographs and pictures, especially in kindergarten. I know the upper grades, they can use like documents and videos and things like that. We use a lot of photographs and objects. You can use those to really teach your standards. What do you use, Jennifer, in your class? We also use a lot of photographs, but we might take it to the next level and um, and make sure we pay attention to the caption on the photograph. And then we might um, accompany it with a, a um, primary source where somebody's telling a story through a specific perspective. We might have a map, um, things like that. There's different, we might have a speech recorded from somebody that we're trying to get them to notice some things about. And so it just depends on, on what our learning target is and what we want them to accomplish. And then we'll kind of choose primary sources from there. Help us understand the fine detail of what this looks like in the elementary setting. Describe maybe the best inquiry-based lesson that you've done in your classroom and why you think it worked. What's your best lesson? Well, for kindergarten, because our kids are young and they are still learning how to do school, we do a lot of guided inquiry lessons to where I am helping guide them to, to meet the standard and to understand the standards that they need to learn. So one of my favorite lessons that are inquiry-based is um, called a globe toss because in kindergarten, we have to teach maps and globes. And I have a globe that's a beach ball. And I'll sit the kids in a circle and we'll just toss the globe globe around and I'll just get them to tell me if their thumb lands on land or water and we'll make a little chart about it but I don't tell them anything I just chart what they land on and then we they are able to come up with the information that the earth is made up of more water than oh. land just that activity just synthesizing that information mm -hmm. and without any instruction and they think they're just playing a ball game because <laughs> here they are Mm -hmm. this ball around when really we're doing some deep learning and understanding of our standards. That's both creative and you get to have a beach ball in your classroom year round, which sounds like fun to me. <laughs> Jennifer, what's the yes. best lesson you feel like you've done with fourth graders? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, okay, so I, there's a lot of great lessons. So what I want to first say is that our lessons kind of layer in more um, pieces than maybe a kindergarten classroom would. So I'm going to kind of walk you through a couple of the pieces for Please. a lesson that I taught. 
So um, we, so part of our standard is they have to understand the obstacles that Americans faced as they began moving west on the Oregon Trail. And so instead of just telling them these are the obstacles they were going to face, we let them discover them. And so we go through and kind of layer in some documents to help them come to this on their own instead of me telling them. And so maybe my first document is going to be a map. And I'm going to have on this map the natural resources, and we're going to look for the Oregon Trail and follow it. And we're going to, I'm going to have them begin thinking, huh, what are some of the stops that they're going to face on the way? What are some of the things you're seeing? And to just have them notice what's on the map. So that would be step one. And then I would have them look at an image. The image would be um, a wagon train, okay? And so they're looking at this wagon train, and it specifically has those natural resources in the back. So now they're synthesizing. What did they learn from the map? Now they've looked at this photo that has that natural resource in the back. We want them to start to identify the mountain ranges and the rivers. Those are, you know, going to be obstacles. And then from there, um, we will read a perspective of a pioneer, an actual pioneer who oh, has trapped on this trail. And we see through her story, these things that's happening. And one of them is one of her family members gets sick of cholera. And so we read that story. We talk about it. Oh, what if that was us? We put that hat on. If, if I was Abigail, how would I feel? And then after all that, we set up a simulation. It's my favorite simulation of the year. And it has stations of different places you would stop at on the Oregon Trail. And now they're using all of this that they've learned from these other documents. And they're remembering that as they're going to these stations where first they're stopping at a mountain range. Next, they're going across a river and they roll dice at each station to tell them which one to go to next. By the time they finish this, they've experienced these obstacles. They've seen these obstacles. They've heard a story of them. They remember it. They will tell me every single time what obstacles that um, they face crossing the, I mean, passing through the Oregon Trail. Yes, that's so vivid and it's engaging all yeah, their senses. So I'm sure they're dreaming about that. It doesn't get more immersive than that. Do you ever run into resistance with this approach? Maybe a teacher says, oh, my students can't do that. They're too young for inquiry-based learning or, or this might be too hard for my students. What do you say to that kind of reaction? I think that is one thing that you will get with a lot of primary teachers because our kids are young and they are just now learning how to do school. But I say give it a try. Try a lesson. The Georgia Department of Education has a lot of good resources for inquiry. That's actually where I got the globe toss lesson. If you just give one inquiry lesson a try, I think you'll be hooked from there once you mm -hmm. see how well the kids are engaged and how much authentic learning that they're doing without you just having to stand up and lecture them on whatever standard it is they need to learn. Yeah. What's your take, Jennifer? I agree. I say give it a try, but also um, give yourself grace. I mean, it's, it might not feel comfortable at first. Try it out. Have somebody come alongside you and just see, once you see how engaged the kids are, uh, you're hooked. You can't go back. Like I said, this year, I have a very diverse group of kids. I mean, I have kids that um, receive special education services, um, ESOL services. These students are not always confident at school and they feel like reading is oftentimes an area of weakness, but they can look at a picture yes, and they can. they can look at a map and they can see things and they can be curious. And so because they're hooked in that way, I just recently yesterday did a lesson 
And um, when I was done with it, they were just analyzing pictures. When I got done, they could not wait to go back and read because now they wanted to know what actually happened. I never told them. I wasn't going to tell them. I just wanted them to be hooked. They were going to go back and read to find out what actually happened. And they couldn't wait. They were practically running to their seats. Look at that. So So in terms of benefits, then that speaks to engagement using inquiry-based learning and social studies. What other benefits do you see in their understanding uh, and their retention of content and their attitudes about social studies? What do you see? Um, Definitely see the retention of the content. They remember the activities where they were involved and they don't always see it as learning because they think it's just playtime or something. I know social studies can be one of my kids' favorite time of the day because they think we're going to do something super fun and learning at the same time. What benefits do you see, Jennifer? Uh, absolutely the same. The engagement is the biggest one and the the authentic learning experiences that they will hold on to them. Rote memorization, if they memorize a couple of facts, they're, they're not going to hold on to that forever, but they will might forever remember their experience traveling along the Oregon Trail, the conversations they had with their friends. They're going to remember the visualization of that picture where they actually saw these things happening. And so I think that um, just creating lifelong learners to not just oh, I'm going to memorize it, pass a test, and move on. It sounds so exciting. I literally have goosebumps to come into your classroom and do these activities because they sound like activities. It doesn't feel like, you know, just kind of blasé learning. You're elevating the learning and elevating the content. So we want to get people on board with this. If you could give just one piece of advice to a teacher who's just getting started with inquiry-based learning, what is your piece of advice? I think for me, my one piece of advice would be think about the next standard that needs to be taught and find a picture that would match that standard and then just put it in front of your kids and let the conversation begin. That's my first advice. Just try that. Mm -hmm. Picture is worth a thousand words. Jennifer? And you get a lot of conversations from that absolutely picture. and I love that she said pick your standard pick whatever you, it is that you're going to teach next if you have that starting point if you know what you want your outcome to be you're going to be way more comfortable with allowing the inquiry to happen oftentimes I know that teachers feel uncomfortable because they they want the the yes or no answers the, the ones that they know for sure the kids are going to answer the way they want them to but if you know what you want your end target to be first you're going to choose documents that are going to get you there. And so that will just help build your confidence. How about some super simple, fun, motivational tips or teaching techniques for inquiry-based learning? Can you think of a couple you use in your classroom every day beyond pictures? What can you share? I always say take putting on hats is a big thing in our classroom. They can all tell you what that means to put on a new hat. We like to be in the perspective of whoever it is that we're learning through, whether it's a group, whether it's an individual. So I always say, okay, let's take off our hats. We get to be somebody new for a little while. Let's pick up (laughs) George Washington, put on your George Washington hat. We are looking and I want them to really be able to put themselves into that situation to make it more real so they can really connect to it. I love that. I also love hats. I would like to tell teachers to allow your kids to talk and it might get a little bit loud and a little bit noisy (laughs) and everyone 
not be sitting crisscross applesauce quietly, but giving them that time to have conversations. So be patient and let the kids have that conversation, even if it gets a little bit louder than what you want it to. It's allowing them to have the conversations that are needed. Okay. So that's that wild sound is the din of learning, right? It's, it's good talking. (laughs) It's good sound. Is there a film or TV series out there that you think captures the beauty of IBL? Either of you seen anything lately that sparks your interest? I actually am a huge fan of When Calls the Heart, Elizabeth Thornton, and um, she's a pioneer teacher, and they, she is all about authentic learning experiences, and I'm just so impressed by her, but she takes her kids out into the real world, um, all different age groups, all different learning styles, and they're all accomplishing the same task of learning, whatever it is she has planned, and, and she's fun. I recommend that. She's a fun one to watch. When Calls the Heart, what platform is that on? I think it's Hallmark. Oh, oh, it's a Hallmark special. Oh, then you know it's full of good feelings, Jennifer. Is that part of why you like it? (laughs) Oh, it's so full of good feelings. I feel so happy every time I watch it. So I love that. You are a TV guide, Teacher Edition. Can you think of anything, Melissa? I cannot think of any TV shows, really, because at my house, we always have it on the kids' show. So I don't get a lot of time to watch TV. (laughs) You're like, I haven't watched any content for myself in a long time. (laughs) Not in a while. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll leave it to Jennifer for our recommendations. Thank you both so much. I could play 20 questions with you two all day long talking about inquiry-based learning. Thank you, Jennifer and Melissa, for being here today. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Keep up the good work. You're really making a difference. I can feel it in my bones. You listeners may be inquiring about what's next for this podcast community. Goodbyes make me tearful. So we'll say see you soon because it's true. I have a secret. There's more classroom conversations in store. That's right. We will see a season three and it's coming soon. Signing off, I'm Ashley Mingwasser. It's a privilege to be your host and to bring you teacher voices from around the state of Georgia, like Jennifer's and Melissa's. Until we meet again and every day between today and our return, I hope you'll stand proud and confident in the truth that you're a great teacher. Goodbye for now. Funding for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant.